It is 7.08 and employment hour is upon us once again. The phone number 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell to call in, ask your questions. John Pick is here uh, covering the uh, the show tonight, answering your questions and getting into a lot of uh, stuff that have to do with your job, your severance, your workplace. That is the concern on every show. If you catch this one, the Monday night show, the weekend shows, and of course, Employment Hour in 30 happens on uh, Global TV Saturday mornings at 10 o'clock. We'll get right to it, uh, John, with the, uh, the week that was. What do you got happening for us? Thanks, John. Great to be back talking about workplace rights and hope to speak to as many of the listeners as possible tonight. So please don't be shy. If you're calling for a family or a member or a friend, do them a favor, find out what their rights are. So starting with the week that was, uh, the first situation that I wanted to talk about was a gentleman who contacted me last week and said that he had been working for the last 10 years as a quote-unquote independent contractor Mm. uh, as a salesperson. He does not get benefits, and every week he submits an invoice and charges HST. He gets included on all of the company's emails, bonus contests, has a company business card, a cubicle at company's offices that he attends once per week, and he has set objectives to meet. He does not work for anyone else. The company has terminated his employment, and in the termination letter, they refer to what they call a, quote, independent contractor agreement. This agreement supposedly limits his entitlements to 30 days advance notice. So they said... Here's our advance notice. That's all we owe you. But hey, if you'll sign this release, we'll give you an extra two weeks pay. So his question to me was, do they owe me more? The answer was yes. Much, much more. Based on this individual's age, position, compensation level, and years of service, he was owed another seven months pay. Mm -hmm. That amounted to about $45,000. Yes, $45,000. But what about the contract he signed, he asked? Doesn't it say that it limits my entitlements? Well, in fact, that contract was not worth the paper that it was written on. It was illegal. It was contrary to the Employment Standards Act. And for all intents and purposes, we throw it out the window as if it was never signed. So right now, I'm helping him to negotiate a proper severance package. And I can assure you that when it's all said and done, he's going to have much more money in his pocket. Thank goodness he didn't sign the release. So for any employee who's listening... Uh, or or so-called independent contractor, please, please don't assume you're an independent contractor just because your employer says you are one. The question of whether someone is an independent contractor is a complex one, and it requires a conversation with a properly qualified employment lawyer. So do give us a call, and hey, maybe you are an independent contractor, but you won't know uh, until you speak to us. Well, this guy was pretty obvious. I mean, the only place he worked for had a company office. He was using the company stuff. He was included in the He was an employee. He was right, an employee. right. The question that we always ask is, who are you in business for? Are you in business for yourself or are you right. in business for someone else? And there's a number of factors that we go through to make that decision. And sometimes it's obvious and sometimes it's not. But before you make any decisions, again, you, you really have to uh, speak with a lawyer and, and, and find out. Uh, So the second situation Mm -hmm. that I want to talk about is a pretty interesting one. Um, I have a client now who uh, spoke to me about a week and a half ago. He worked on a factory floor and had done so for 20 years. And one day, as is often the case in many workplaces, he got in an argument with a coworker. Things got rather heated. And eventually he just stood up and yelled, I quit. And he stormed out. So he sat at home, and the next day he had, uh, for any Seinfeld fans, a bit of a George Costanza moment, <laughs> totally. right? Realized, totally. what am I going to do now? Okay, I could be a sportscaster. All right, yeah. I'm not sure if I can do work that. Work for the Yankees. Yeah. Right, work for the Yankees. So he, he realizes, my goodness, what on earth am I going to do now? This was the only thing that I knew and, and was comfortable doing. 
So he wrote an email to his boss the next day, and he says, look, I, I know I said I quit yesterday, but this was really something that was just done in the heat of the moment. Mm. I'd like to come back to work tomorrow. Well, the boss, I guess he had it on his cell phone. He emailed him back within seconds, and he says, no, you resigned, period. You're done. That was it. Wow. Really nice after 20 yep. years, right? Well, of course, my client is terribly upset because he had gone on the severance pay calculator afterwards and realized that had he been terminated, he was owed upwards of $90,000 in severance, which is not surprising after having been employed for 20 years. Normally, a resignation means that you are throwing all of that Mm -hmm. away. He certainly didn't have a good reason to resign, so it wouldn't have been a constructive dismissal. So normally, he would have been out of luck. Well, the good news for him is that you can take back a resignation if it's done properly and if it's done in time. And that's that's really the most important thing. And for him, it was good because he did it the next day. What we call this at law is we call this resiling from a resignation. If you resign in the heat of the moment, but the next day you come to your sentences, you take it back. And as long as the employer has not relied on your resignation and hired someone else in your place, it's very hard for the employer to treat that as a true voluntary resignation. And what the law says is that if they try to do that, they're actually going to be terminating your employment and they will owe you severance. And that's exactly what they owe this individual. And I'm helping him to get that $90,000 in severance he's owed right now. Now, would it have been easier if he had been terminated without cause rather than resign? Totally. Sure. Yeah. But the point is, is that that's not the end of the story. So now, of course, we don't want everyone who's listening to go out and have heats of the heat of the moments <laughs> and start resigning left, right, and center. I mean, let's be clear. Resigning from your employment is an extremely dangerous thing to do when it comes to your severance. And if you're going to resign, even if you think it's for a good reason, you should do so properly advised by an employment lawyer. And most of all, you should be speaking with an employment lawyer before you make the decision to resign. But if you're like this individual and you had a brief lapse in judgment like this gentleman did, don't lose hope. Give us a call and do it right away. Time is absolutely of the essence and you have an extremely small window of opportunity to fix this mistake, resolve from your resignation, and then either get your job back or, like this individual, get severance. That number, by the way, to get hold of John Lior, the rest of the uh, team at the firm, one 821 5900 help at employmenthour.com. And tonight, to call in until around 10 to 8, lots of time, bring it on, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell, and one 225 talk That is toll-free. Uh, Keith, how are you doing, brother? Thanks for hanging on. How are you? Good, thanks. I got a question. I have been um, off work now for three years, and I've got uh, long-term disability for two of them. I'm uh, actually fighting it now to get my benefits reinstated. Now, if at some point I get better, does the company have to take me back on my job? It's a pretty good company I work for. They're still paying my extended health care. So. That's an excellent question, Keith. So this this touches on what we call the law of frustration, right? So a company has to take you back and they have to hold your job for you up to the point of, of undue hardship. So generally speaking, a company does have to hold your job for you. Where they don't have to hold your job for you in a situation like this is if there is evidence from a doctor Uh, or some qualified medical professional that says there is no reasonable likelihood that you're ever going to get better. 
But if you do get better, then then obviously that's not going to be the case, right? And so they're going to um, they're going to owe you. Uh, well, they're going to owe you your job, right? Or, or if they don't owe you have your job, they're going to owe you some severance, and there may also be some human rights concerns because they didn't respect a, a disability. So you know. Now, one thing to keep in mind is I know that your LTD has been denied. Sometimes companies make the mistake of thinking that because the LTD denies you, that means you can come back to work, right? It's not true, right? So if the company takes that position, just make sure that you, you know that um, that's, a, that's a mistake that companies often make. But uh, you just know, they're, they're aware of the fact that I'm uh, fighting it with a lawyer. So. Okay, okay. Yeah. Right. But what, what it's really all about is if you have a doctor that says you can't come back to work, uh, without the doctor saying um, you may, um, you know, you you may be able to come back at, or you you can't come back at some later time, then right. they do have to hold your job. Now, if a doctor at some point does say hey, Keith can't come back to work and he can't come back to work at all, they're still right. going to owe you something. And uh, I don't know how long you've been with the company, but that could still be significant. It's just going to be your minimum entitlements, but sometimes that's still a lot for people. Um, right. So, you know, I'm in mediation right now. I have a, a – the case is going to go before a mediator very soon. With the LTD? Right. Right. So um, during that point, let's say it doesn't follow through in mediation and we have to go through the court system to get it back. Um, let's say I got better in that period, could I still return? So the answer is yes, right? Yeah, generally speaking, yeah, the answer generally is yes. Speaking, yeah. yeah, so again, it's it's going to depend in part on the medical evidence at that sure. time. But I imagine, again, I'm, I'm not uh, an LTD lawyer, although we, we have other people in our office who you can oh, yeah. definitely talk to about that. But um, generally speaking, I imagine you're probably at that point going to be going for the LTD benefits retroactively if you're better. Right. So, right. So at that point, you know, vis-a-vis your place of employment, you're you're still in the same situation as as before. And it's yeah. As soon as you get better, they have to hold your job and they have to bring you back. If they don't, they're going to owe you severance. That's what I wanted to hear. Yep. Okay. Well, glad I could give you the the good answer tonight. (laughs) Great. Thanks for your help. Thanks. Appreciate Keith. Uh, Moving forward, you need to get a hold of John or Lee or the rest of the firm again. One eight five five eight five. Pardon me. I just chew on one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That was interesting. Is there flies in the room? Uh, help at employmenthour dot com is the email. Your phone calls wide open till around ten to eight. Bring them on four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on your cell. Help at employmenthour dot com, and we'll uh, we'll touch on it later. I'm sure you'll uh, refer to it, John, during some phone calls, and that would be the severance pay calculator, the quickest and easiest way, most convenient way to figure out exactly what your severance should be, right? Yeah, the severance pay calculator is a great tool. It's anonymous. You don't have to put out any identifying information. You put your age, your years of service, and your type of position, Mm -hmm. and it's going to churn out a range of entitlements that you're going to have. And that's going to give you a pretty good idea of whether the severance that you've been offered has been fair. Sometimes it is. Most of the time, um, it's not. And the reason it's not is because often employers try to get away with paying less, not because they're necessarily bad people, but Mm -hmm. because they're trying to save money. But you have to do your due diligence, and the way to do that, go on the severance pay calculator, and if it looks like it's lower, give us a call, and we'll tell you exactly how much you're owed. In between the calls tonight, talking about the biggest mistakes that employers make, I'll start uh, rhyming these off. You can expand on them, uh, my brother. Not understanding the difference between common law and ESA. Yeah, so if if employers actually uh, understood this, then we we probably wouldn't have a lot of these calls. Yeah, right. But there, there is a huge, huge difference. 
between your full entitlements, often called uh, reasonable notice or common law entitlements, and your minimum entitlements, which is what's under the uh, Employment Standards Act. So often what employers do is they come up, they, they Google the Employment Standards Act, and they think, okay, so he's been there for eight years, therefore I have to pay him eight weeks. This is all I need to pay. And, and that's an innocent mistake to make. And if you call the Ministry of Labor, that's what they're going to tell you. They're going to say, yes, the minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act are eight weeks. This, of course, is the minimum mm-hmm. amount, not the full amount. So for an employee, if you're someone who's been terminated or an employer who's about to let someone go, you've got to speak to an employment lawyer. Don't, tr- don't trust that just because the Employment Standards Act says something, that's going to be it. It's not to say that what the Employment Standards Act says is wrong. That's the law, but that's the law only on the minimum amounts. So don't don't guess about this stuff. It's important. It can be tens of thousands of dollars or even more. And and what we've said in the past too, if you end up filing a claim with the uh, with the labor board, you you got to watch it because you can't go back on it, right? Then you've got problems because then later on you'll look at the severance pay calculator and go, oh geez, what did I just do? Yeah, that's right. That's that's the problem. So if you launch a claim at the Ministry of Labor, mm-hmm. you have two weeks to withdraw it. Two weeks after that two week period is over, um, you're stuck. You're stuck at the Ministry of Labor and the Ministry of Labor. Um, is only going to give you a fraction of what you are actually owed. And I've talked to people who've made this mistake, and I actually talked to someone recently who made that mistake. And, you know, I'm, I'm you know, trying to work with this person to, to you know, hopefully find an exception and get yeah, it withdrawn, right. but it's, it's very hard to do. And it's, it's really a shame because it's, it's people, the idea is supposed to be that you're supposed to go into this process informed and have an, you know, you either have the election that you go to the Ministry of Labor or you go for your full entitlements, but some people just don't know that. Right. We'll take a short break. Phone lines are open, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, one 225 talk That is toll-free. Lots of time to call us and have your say, have your questions answered here on the Employment Hour, Global News Radio. It is 724 on your Wednesday, yeah, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, one 225 talk That number to call in, ask your questions, is toll-free. Uh, other than that, help at employmenthour.com, and you should always check the severance pay calculator as well. Our conversation tonight, uh, John Pink is doing the show here. It is uh, biggest mistakes that employers make. Next one on the list is putting employees on a oh, the old temporary layoff. We love that one. Right. So uh, the Employment Standards Act does let employers do temporary layoffs in certain circumstances, but those certain circumstances need to be present. And in most cases, they aren't. You really have to have an agreement that speaks as, speaks to this specifically, something that the employee has, an oppor- has had an opportunity to read, to speak to a lawyer about, and to sign saying, yes, you can do temporary layoffs, you can do them in accordance with the Employment Standards Act. And in most cases, that that just hasn't happened. And when that hasn't happened, an employee does not have to wait until necessarily for the full 13 or 35 week period to expire. Uh, They can treat it as a termination. Now, for any employee, they ha- that any employee should speak to a lawyer before you leave your job, and you want to speak to an, uh, a lawyer quickly uh, because, again, if you wait too long and they call you back, um, you could be deemed to have accepted it, and the employer can do this again. So for employees, you should really be aware that when this happens, you want an, you want an employment lawyer to take a look at this and see if you can claim for your termination entitlements. A lot of misunderstanding when it comes to that. For instance, construction workers automatically assume that I'm in that business, I qualify for layoffs. 
Not yeah, true, right? Yeah, and, and we actually we hear from a lot of construction workers that do that. But again, employers don't think to have these agreements in place. So for someone who's an employer, if you're thinking that you may need to be doing temporary layoffs over the next few years, you probably want to give us a call so we can draft that agreement for you. And if your employees are okay with it, then fine, then you can right. do it. But most people are not going to be. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, 1-888-225-TALK to call in and uh, ask your questions here tonight till around 10 to 8 is when we uh, take the phone calls. Talking about the biggest mistakes employers make, not providing notice in writing. Yeah, so, so you know, the last year we uh, established, uh, we, we passed a 10-year anniversary of a case that our firm did, which spoke to this principle directly, uh, which is basically that a termination date that is not clear is really not a termination date at all. And, and why does that matter? It matters because the whole point of notice is to allow people to plan right. for the future. So if an employer simply comes up to you and says, you know what, we might need to do some layoffs uh, in the future, guess what that counts for? Nothing. So what an employer really has to do is they really should be giving a letter. They shouldn't. It always amazes me that that people are still doing verbal terminations, especially when they try and give notice, because that just that just doesn't work very well. Yeah. There should be a letter. Should be drafted. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be drafted by a lawyer. It could be drafted by the manager, or HR person, but it should have a date in there that says this is going to be the last day. It should spell out what the entitlements are going to be and and what is being paid to that employer. So. Employers, uh, make sure for your own good that you give your employees a firm uh, termination date and make sure you do it in writing. And always check with you guys regardless because even though there's termination, you might have other entitlements that go beyond that, right? Right, right. You might have, there might be, first of all, the notice period that you're giving may not be adequate and there might be some entitlements that you can't give by working notice. There's a portion of severance that has to be paid uh, by a lump sum for certain large employers. Uh, and again, for employees, uh, the other thing that, that for employees is that you, if you are terminated from your employment, you probably want to get that in writing too. Because what I've seen happen in some cases is an employee will be terminated from their job. And then later on, we get involved and the employer comes back and says, oh, we didn't terminate you from your job. You decided, you, you told us you wanted to leave. You said you wanted to quit. Oh, great. And now it's going to be your word against theirs. And they know that any obstacles they put in your way are going to be things that are going to make you discouraged. And so don't let them do that to you. So often if, if you get a termination and it's verbal, send an email and confirm it. You're going to be thankful for that later. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, 1-888-225-TALK is the number. Help at employmenthour.com for emails as well. Talking about the big and biggest mistakes that employers make uh, entering into what we call unenforceable employment contracts. Yeah, the law around what constitutes an enforceable termination clause is changing pretty much every week, every month. And in the past year alone, uh, we've seen a number of decisions from the Ontario Court of Appeal that have added a little bit of confusion as to what is enforceable, what mm-hmm. is unenforceable, and this is a fairly delicate exercise. And again, if your employer, don't assume that you can just pick up a precedent that you found online and copy and paste it. You've got to speak to a lawyer who can help you get it done right. And for employees, what you should know is is if you've signed an offer letter or an employment agreement with a termination clause, you know that termination clause is often going to be referenced in your termination letter. And they're going to say something along the lines of, well, you signed an employment agreement and in accordance with this employment agreement, we only owe you X. But of course, that's not the end of the story. It has to be a legal 
termination clause. And in fact, most termination clauses still today are illegal and unenforceable. So give us a call and let us have a look at it. It won't take us much longer than 30 seconds to let you know whether that's going to stand in your way. But there's still a ton of people out there who'd say, okay, yeah, I guess so. I guess they're right and walk away. Yeah, and that's what they're counting on. That's what they're counting on. And they're also counting on it being enforceable. But (laughs) (laughs) As we just said, not always the case, right? Not always the case. Biggest mistakes employers make, uh, not distinguishing between independent contractor and employees like you had in the week that was, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've seen this, and and, and I continue to see this uh, happen a lot, especially with uh, the new Bill 148. Uh, You know, a lot of employees are starting to wake up to this. Uh, because there's a new emphasis by the Ministry of Labor that people are properly classified. But this problem continues to persist. Uh, The Employment Employment Standards Act is there for a reason, and these changes that have been brought into place by Bill 148 have been brought brought in for a reason. The reason is because this has been and remains a problem. And what I would say is remember that it doesn't matter what your employer says you are. It doesn't even necessarily matter... If your employer is not making deductions at source, because in most cases, if they're calling you an independent contractor, they won't make deductions at source and they will ask you to charge HST. What matters are the facts on the ground. And just to use the the phrase that I, I said earlier is, who are you in business for? Are you in business for yourself or are you in business for them? Uh, and if you're in business for them, then the other thing, then you're going to be an employee. And if you're in business for yourself... You still have to ask the question is, well, are you dependent on them? Are they your only client? Because you may still be a dependent contractor. And if you're a dependent contractor, you're still owed severance. That's a third classification, right? Yeah, it's, it's an in-between category. Yeah, again, you always make that call, one 821 5900 But uh, we'll get to uh, Anthony here tonight. Hey, Anthony. Hi, how are you? Can you hear me? Yeah, pal, what's going on? Excellent. Uh, an employer that gives you a, a letter to notify you that you're being terminated in, on a specific day, and then they, they, and then they give you an offer letter uh, saying that as part of the severance package, they're, they're going to deduct the period from when they give you the letter to the actual termination date and call that working notice. Is that, is that legal? So they, they've given a date and they said this is going to be the last date of working notice and then afterwards they've offered a, a lump sum on top of that? Am I understanding that correctly? Well, they didn't say it was working notice. They just said that we did this letter to let you know that uh, this is like, for example, say end of March is the last day of work Okay. Um, just to notify us. And But there's nothing in the letter that says it's working notice. But then when they give us the lump sum, uh, sorry, the offer letter, a lump sum payment, they're saying they're deducting the period from when they give us the letter to the end of March right. as right. working notice. And right. it's just a bit confusing. Right. So an employer doesn't actually have to use the words working notice for it to count as working notice. Working notice just means they are giving you notice of what your last day of employment is going to be. And it sounds like that letter has done so. When an employer gives working notice, that amount does count as part of the severance package. So if a lump sum or salary continuance is being offered uh, afterwards, it is proper for an employer to take into account the working notice that was previously offered. So the short answer is yes, they can do that. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Anthony. Appreciate that. So just just to clarify, if it turns out that you're owed a year, 
they can give you six months working notice, but then there's got to be six months severance on the back end of that, right? Right. They can do that. They can give, in, for, for small employers often, they can give you all of your severance by working notice. Right. Now, I don't think for most employers that makes a whole lot of sense. You know, it, just on a practical level, you know, the notion that you're going to have someone working there that knows that their days of the company are numbered, I, even employee morale aside, you're probably not going to get great work out of that person. Yeah. So I'd say 90% of the time, it usually doesn't make sense practically to give working notice, but legally, sure, they can do it. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, 1-888-225-TALK is the number to call through till around 10 to 8 tonight. Bring them on, got lots of room and time for your phone calls. We'll get one more of these uh, as far as the uh, the marks under biggest mistakes that employers make. Firing for cause, ooh, for medical absences. There's a, there's a smart move. Right. And and this is something that I see time and time again. We've talked about it a number of times mm-hmm. in the show. And since the last time we've talked about it, I've seen it again. Uh, and I've seen people terminated for medical absences, threatened for medical absences. Uh, and this, this kind of behavior just continues. This is what we call a non-culpable form of absence. And it really is quite serious if you start penalizing employees for this, because not only are you firing someone and depriving them of their severance, as as employers often try to do, uh, but you're doing it at a very vulnerable time in someone's life where they're dealing with a medical condition, uh, sometimes a very serious medical condition. And so you're going to be exposed to human rights damages, too. And you got to think that at some point this is going to be adjudicated by someone and is just not going to reflect well on you. So terrible, terrible idea. Uh, same thing or similar thing goes for Matt leaving pregnancy, true? Right. So as uh, Lior says, you don't mess with don't mama. Mess with mama. You don't mess with mama, right? So, yeah, the same thing goes for that too. You know, a lot of times we see employers try and not necessarily terminate someone coming off of a medical leave or a pregnancy leave, but try and tweak their job a little bit, tweak yep. their pay, tweak their responsibilities, those kinds of things. And that is... Uh, a big no-no. So it's it's not just about keeping the person's job open. You have to give them the same job when they yeah. come back. And if you don't, it's a, it's a termination. Email help at employmenthour.com. We'll get to one from uh, Rick says, I've been working for a company for 30 years, earning a mixture of base salary and commissions. Now they're going to be changing the commission structure, and I'm concerned about the effect it's going to have on me. What should I do? It's a good question. So Rick, if your employer is going to change your commission structure, it could be a constructive dismissal. But that is really going to depend on the actual effect that it has on you. You really want to be careful not to jump the gun in these situations because the law is not sympathetic towards you if you leave your job before seeing how the changes will actually affect you if those changes are not clear. So, Rick, what I would do is this. Reach out to the company and tell them that you're concerned about these changes. You can tell them that you're not accepting any changes to your salary or your compensation in general, and you're going to agree to this on a trial basis. If after a few weeks you see your income go down, give me a call, and we'll talk about whether it can adequately form the basis of constructive dismissal. In other words, whether you can leave and get your severance. one 821 5900 By the way, Rick is going to be uh, that number to call. Get uh, to Cassandra. Hey, Cassandra, good evening. Hi, how are you? Great. What's going on? Um, uh, so I resigned my position on Friday that just passed and I worked two overnight shifts on the weekend, uh, an 11 hour shift on Friday night and then another overnight shift on the Saturday night. Then on the Sunday night, my boss texted me and said that she read my resignation letter, but that my position was terminated immediately or effectively. Um, mm. 
And I just want to know what like my rights were with that because I did give three weeks notice and I did offer mm-hmm. to you know transition my position to whoever else would be coming in um, just to kind of help them out. Right. So so that that is a strange uh, situation. I mean, the, what what we come back to though is is who ended the employment relationship. It was and, me on uh, last Friday. Right. And so, you know, you've given that you've given them notice, and I'd say probably. Now, are you going to be owed your full severance entitlements in this situation? No, probably not. But if they terminated you during the working notice period you gave, they mm-hmm. may still owe you for the balance mm-hmm. of that notice because it, you didn't agree to terminate effectively immediately. So they can, right. I mean, what an employer can do, and they often incorporate this into an employment contract, is they say, well, we can waive the resignation notice and we can just pay you out that instead. Okay. Um, so. I would give us a call because there might be something there. Again, I don't think it's sure. going to be your full severance entitlements because you did, as you said, voluntarily resign. Right. And I, I should also note that when I was hired with them last year, um, I didn't sign a contract. I wanted to sign a contract. I had asked them if they had anything written up, uh, whatever, you know, we clearly stipulate like what my job would entail. Mm-hmm. And uh, they often gave me work because I'm a, a floral designer and they often give me work that wasn't floral related. So it ended up being quite a very... Uh, uh, tense relationship between us, but yeah. So I ended it. I thought I ended it fairly, you know, responsibly. But you're saying that I can give you guys a call back. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, give us a call because again, I, I don't. Uh, based on what you're saying, I'm not sure that that we'd have any basis to claim for your full severance entitlements. But mm-hmm. there could be something there, and certainly we we have people who can deal with um, smaller claims amounts, and there are forums to deal with that as well. So I, I would give us a call. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. You're Thanks, welcome. Cassandra. Appreciate that. Again, one 821 5900 is that number, and uh, we will get to Sal. Hey, Sal. Good evening. Hey, good evening. What's going on? Um, yeah, so I was recently, I guess, dismissed from my job, but I wasn't there uh, this, just this Friday past. Uh, I called my foreman, and uh, I, was gonna t- I told them that I was going to show up on Monday which was this past Monday. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, he told me that uh, my record of employment had been delivered to the site. I'm in construction. And so um, uh, I'm wondering, like, what, like, I, I don't know what my rights are for this. Business. I haven't seen the um, uh, um, okay. the record of employment, so I don't know what it says as to why they dismissed me. Is it lack of work? Or is it, I, I'm not sure. I don't know. I haven't seen the papers. Okay, so, so just a few questions for you. So uh, you said you weren't there on Friday. Why, and why was that? Right, because um, I haven't, I've been missing a lot of work due to a, um, uh, an illness. Okay. And they know this, and it's been documented. And so um, uh, I was, um, it's just some personal things going on in my life. Right. And so, and they're aware of it. Um, so, um, yeah, it's all documented, and, and so that's why I've missed quite a bit of work. And and so then I'm thinking that that's why they've opted to give me my 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 papers, my walking papers, basically. Right, right. Well, that, that does sometimes happen. Um, and how, how old are you, Sal? I'm 40. Okay, and how long were you employed for this company? A year. One year, Okay. So someone in your circumstances could easily be owed, you know, anywhere from three to four months pay, um, probably closer to three months pay. But uh, and, and again, depending on what your salary is, we can do the math like that could be something significant. 
Now, I know you mentioned you were a construction worker, and some employers have the mistaken belief that because the Employment Standards Act exempts construction workers from termination pay, that every that you don't get any uh, severance pay. That is not the case. Okay. So um, I would definitely give us a call because you are going to be entitled to pay for uh, to termination pay here. Um, you're going to be entitled to your full entitlements as long as you don't have any contract that that changes that. Um, and you are also potentially going to be entitled to some compensation uh, for human rights damages because there's definitely some human rights concerns if they terminate you right after you took a sick day, and that's not right. going to be uh, that's not going to be the same as the severance. I mean, the the, the value of your your case here is going to be in the severance. But all this to say, give us a call. Let's mm-hmm. talk about this, and I think we can help you out. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time. You're very welcome. Appreciate that, Sal. Again, one 821 5900 is the number. one 821 5900 Help at employmenthour.com. If you haven't used it yet, check it out. SeverancePayCalculator.com. Still got a, a few minutes here if you want to make a phone call and ask John any any questions. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. And one 225 talk Got an email from Greg. says, uh, I was working for a company as an independent contractor, always submitted invoices and charged HST. And now they've uh, they've run out of work for me. I never signed anything, so I'm worried I don't have any severance entitlement since I don't have a contract. Do I still get anything for severance? Well, well, in fact, Greg, the fact that you don't have a contract is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, a contract is usually in the interest of the employer, not you, at least the vast majority of the time. So if you had a contract, it would most likely attempt to limit your termination entitlements. So what we need to determine here is whether you are actually an independent contractor. And the fact that you submitted invoices and charged HST is not going to be determinative here. There is a test that we're going to have to go through. We talked about it earlier yep. in the show uh, to properly determine whether you are actually, again, in business for yourself or in business for the company. And, and by the way, if you're a contractor, for example, use your own materials, set your own hours, use your own employees, and even you make profits, you may still be entitled to severance. Uh, because in Ontario, as we mentioned earlier, we have an independent, we have an intermediate category between an employee and a fully independent contractor called a dependent contractor, and a dependent contractor has the exact same the exact same entitlements as an employee. So definitely give us a call and let's find out how much you're owed here. Greg, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the uh, number you want to call. Help at employmenthour.com. We get to one uh, quickly, Gary here before we actually no, you know what? I think we got a call. We can take uh, ahead of that, Christopher. Hey, good evening. Hey, how are you guys doing? Good, brother. What's going on with you? Uh, just a quick question, guys. Um, what's the statute of limitations? Uh, basically, I was laid off by an employer. I never pursued it. It was actually about four to five years ago. Is it something that I can still pursue now, or is there a time period? So, unfortunately, Christopher, the statute of limitations is two years from when you received notice of the layoff. Copy. So, if okay. it's happened four to five years ago, you will be out of time. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, guys. Again, that's something we should reiterate once in a while as well. You got two years to pursue your uh, your entitlements, right, from the time of termination. You've got two years, and you shouldn't wait two years. You shouldn't wait one year. In fact, I wouldn't wait one month if you can yeah, avoid it. Exactly. We get to uh, Tom on the line now. Hey, Tom. Good evening. Hey, I got a question about uh, employees taking leaves or sick days mm-hmm. for elderly parents, and I wanted to steer this employee to take compassionate care benefits. How do I do that? You wanted to sorry. I wanted to steer them to take a leave of absence and collect compassionate care benefits. Right. Well, the, an employer. Do, I'm the employer. Right. Employee. 
So the reality is, is as an employer, you, you can't, I mean, you can't really impose a leave on an employee. I think that you, the best thing that you can do as an employer is check in with them and see if they need any accommodations and suggest that, you know, if they need time off, you're happy to provide it. But you, you can't really nudge an employee to take a leave of absence, right? Either you... Um, Either you're prepared to continue employing them or you're not. And if they decide to take a leave of absence, that's really their choice. Okay. That's what I was looking for. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate that call. Let me get to uh, get one more email here. We got a, uh, I got a couple minutes to squeeze this one in. Gary, I have two young children, age two, age five. I work the day shift. I've done so for the last 10 years now. They're switching me to night shift. See what's coming here. Uh, this is really going to interfere with my daycare, obviously. Is there anything I can do to force the employer to keep me on days? You, you can't physically force an employer to keep you on the day shift, but there certainly is something you can do about this. And this sort of comes back to what we can do as employment lawyers. Right. Most of the time, I'd say 90 to 95% of the time, we can't get your old job back, right? That's something, you know, if you're a unionized employee, they can do that for you. If you're a non-unionized employee, generally speaking, yeah. you can't do that. Uh, but if you are a non-unionized employee and you're in this situation, then you do have rights to compensation because... If you've always worked on the day shift and now they're switching to the night shift, well, on the well, first of all, that's probably going to be a constructive dismissal. And the case for constructive dismissal is certainly strengthened by the fact that you can't do it because you have childcare obligations. So that's the first problem this company is right. going to have. And the other thing is that you have protection under the Human Rights Code for family status, for being in a parent and child relationship. And whatever substantial obligations you have towards them are going to be protected. So this is going to be, in my view, a human rights violation and a constructive dismissal. So definitely give us a call. This is uh, fairly straightforward. That's that's a twelve-hour change. That's big. I mean, it, it, that's yeah. the type of thing where you don't want to take it for a ticket for a spin. He knows right away that's not going to work with the kids, right? No. And if you do it once, of course, they can do it to you again, and all of a sudden you're going back and forth between daytime and nighttime. So really think about this before you decide to accept this change. Again, severancepaycalculator.com. If you haven't used it, log on. Try it. It takes about 30 seconds to go through the program. Literally, or at least we're coming up, and about half a million people have used this before. You want to find out what your severance should be, your age, your occupation, your length of employment, all that stuff. Basically, is what you do. You want to walk away anonymous. When you got the number at the bottom, you can do that, or there is a contact button. You can contact John or Lior at that point. Uh, 1-855-821-5900. Always the number to get a hold of. And emails, of course, work as well. Help at employmenthour.com. Till next time, the Employment Hour on point. Alex Pearson's coming right up here. Global News Radio.